Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbert, along with Rhino in the Element Well Studio, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music on this Friday, y'all. <laughs> it is the last Friday before we go to the polls next Tuesday to cast our ballots for the candidates of choice. It is democracy in action, my friend, coming up next Tuesday. Ah, thank God, because we're running out of mud to sling, aren't we? <laughs> sure seems like it. <laughs> oh, golly. It is just crazy. It's crazy. It really is. <laughs> but if you're not blowing smoke up my candidate's skirt, you're bashing them. <laughs> you're an idiot. You don't support my candidate. Oh, yeah, that'll get me over there, won't it? Oh, man. What happened to the statesman? Where did that go? Well, they, they play at Delta State. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. Can't we just talk about, I don't know, policy? Is that no. you can't do that? Because to really dive into policy, it takes longer than the soundbite that you want for the 14-second attention span of the average voter. <laughs> okay. Well, that is a sad indictment, is it not? Man, I, I tell you, I, I can't tell you how many of the brochures, the campaign flyers, if you will. You know, the single-pager, kind of heavy card stock. You know what I'm talking about. All dressed up, typically red and blue, and with their bullet points, you know, and here's what I stand for. You could just put the same bullet points on every single one, leave the name out. You Let's put it this way. If you pulled... Just the bullet points from one candidate and shared that with somebody and said, Whose are these? Could you distinguish? No. You know what you'd 99 say? 99 times out of 100, no. No. They, you know what you'd say? All of them. I, I mean, I've got them memorized. It's the same thing. I'm for protecting your Second Amendment rights. I'm pro life. I'm Christian. I'm for smaller government. Okay, you and everybody you're running against. <laughs> you know, it's a sales game. In a sales business, 
If you don't have something that distinguishes your offerings, you get just kind of mixed up in the crowd. You lose. That's what happens. And I understand people want to make sure where you stand on these key issues. I get that. But you got to have something that sets you apart. Why you? You, If you said, well, because I'm pro-Second Amendment. Yeah, you and the other 8,000 people running, at least on that party. It's crazy to me that you even have to think about it. Just point out you support things that are supposed to be the platform of the party you represent. Why do you got to point that out? I already know that. So tell us what makes you different. Why you versus your opponent who says the same stuff? I, I, I don't get it. And I know they feel like i got to have that on there because if I don't, well, then they think I'm anti-Second Amendment. And I'm a Christian. I was born and raised Catholic Christian. Don't mind saying that. Went to Catholic school. Spent every day for the first eight years of my school education going to Mass. That was a requirement. Had to go to Mass every morning before you went to school. And I had catechism every day. You had religion class. I I get it. But does that somehow make you more qualified? Now, if it's a requirement for you as a voter, I appreciate and respect that. If you say, I can only vote for someone who's a Christian. I mean that's been one of the that. that's one of the things that's been holding back Vivek Ramaswamy. He's a Hindu, right? Yeah. And I, there are there's a sliver of the population that just doesn't feel comfortable with that. Well, and I, and I agree with you. I do think you're right about that. Let's, let's be honest. When John F. Kennedy was elected as a Catholic, Seth brought up a lot of stuff, and there was a time. You remember in the early days, in the in the stronger, shall we say, more active days of the KKK? We Catholics were on their hit list. You weren't a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Essentially, they didn't think you belonged here. You're shaking your head. Oh, That's yeah. true. You know the history of that. That's absolutely true. Uh, so I don't know that we're not hopefully past this religious persecution. That was not the intent of the founders. It was not a single religion. Now, I admit, the principles found in the face of Jewish and Christians, it's Judeo-Christian principles, it's not one or the other, which are fairly closely aligned. I mean, there's not a smidgen of difference in just the the principles, in the faith there may right. be, but the principles. I mean, honestly, Rhino, are there big differences in the principles of Hinduism in Christianity? Buddhism. I mean, the principles themselves, I, I guess I'm thinking in terms of of respect for life and property. I mean, it's, think about the Ten Commandments, which we... 
we Christians, of course, use as our guides for life. <clears throat> well, they, they are too guided by a similar set of principles. It's just something that, I don't know, crosses my mind that I just wonder if that should be a requirement. I I know lots of I bet requirement you do no, but I I can empathize with people wanting to vote for someone who believes the same way they believe. Well, that's fine, but here's what I would say to that, and I agree with you. Here's what I would say to that: you can profess to be any faith. That doesn't necessarily mean you're superior to someone who doesn't share your faith. Correct. I know lots of crooks who are Christians. You agree? Oh, yeah. I know lots of people of high character who are atheists. They're not running around killing people, for example, stealing from people. It's it's a tough one, honestly. That, that doesn't mean that I don't support and believe in the, the principles. Of course I do. And that the word is sacred. And it is a perfect God for life. I totally agree with that. From a political perspective, I'm not, I certainly don't feel like that's a differentiator, especially in a state like this, which is predominantly Christian. Uh, so the point really is tell me something else. That's the main thing. Okay, I got that. Tell me something else. You sit in church 14 hours on Sunday, and you think that makes you better than everybody else. That bothers me. I, I don't disrespect you for it. I respect you for it, honestly. But that doesn't make you more qualified to serve in public office. That's not, it shouldn't be the litmus test, in my view. Oh, well, enough on that rant. we got so much stuff going on, uh, not only here in uh, Mississippi, at the federal level, national politics, we got who appear to be the front runners for the big parties for president, both in legal trouble. Man, oh man. We watched yesterday on the screen here, we talked about it, Donald Trump getting on his jet, the big Trump jet. He even has an umbrella with Trump on it. Did you notice that? He was... <laughs> <laughs> Everything's branded. The guy knows how to promote his brand. I mean, he just does. It's awesome. Respect to him for that. So Trump gets on his plane in Newark, flies down to Washington, gets arraigned, pleads not guilty, heads back. In the meantime, more stuff about Hunter Biden and the president denying that he was involved in his business affairs, but, man, they're getting disproven by the day with this uh, the testimony from Hunter's buddy, business buddy. What a mess all that is. Here at home, we got elections coming up, and uh, like I said, the fireworks are flaming out there. We're coming right back in the Element Well studio. Kelly Bennett coming on 1120 Spike Cohen. Libertarian vice presidential candidate at 1205. Check it out. Let's do this. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi. 
back, everyone. It's middays. We are in the Element Wealth Studio. Are you thinking about or planning for retirement? Do you have a plan? Go to myelementwealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income growth and guarantees. The Dow up 178. Its fortunes turned around earlier this morning. It opened up. Uh, in the green, then it swiftly retreated into the red, back into the green. The NASDAQ was down, now up 94. We got earnings reports yesterday from Amazon. I'm happy to report, Rhino, Amazon made money in its e-commerce business first in the quarter, first time since the pandemic. So the crazy thing is, as we've said so many times here on the program, you get the likes of Liz Warren and the president, Bernie Sanders. What does he say? I'm Bernie Sanders. Give me all your money. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Chucky Schumer, Hakeem Jeffries. He's really uh, become quite active in social media. Because he knows his ABCs. <laughs> exactly. He, of course, waiting in the wings to assume the position of Speaker of the House should the Democrats take control of that chamber, but he likes to talk about economic policy. So there, Even though he doesn't seem to understand half what he's saying. Exactly. The last, he doesn't. It's gobbledygook. Speaking of gobbledygook, you got to hang around, folks. we got some sound to play from the vice president, Kamala Harris. But so Amazon... The funny thing is, you can say that, and they don't know what's coming, even if they're plugged in, because there's about seven of them that are constantly up in the air of her just word vomiting nonsense. <laughs> well, we got the latest for you, shall we say. The last time Amazon, honestly, the only time they ever made money in their e-commerce business, you know, that's that stuff you buy when you very conveniently log on, launch the app, say, I want one of them. You have to agree, it's a pretty neat experience. It's as fast and convenient as you possibly can make it. It's the Uh, newest iteration of something we had previously. It just does it differently. Yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, in previous generations, you did have grocery stores, warehouses, businesses that would just deliver what you ordered to your home. It's true. Within a couple days, if not shorter. Then it got too expensive to have the manpower to do that, so it went the way of the dodo, and now Amazon figured out a way to make it cost-efficient, and now it's back. And if you if you go back, it's interesting to read Bezos' vision. Uh, Harvard featured him on a podcast. I love listening to those. And it was like a two-hour podcast. It's probably four or five years ago. And he talked about his vision for evolving the company into this e-commerce giant. Because remember how he started selling books online. And there's some interesting photos, fascinating photos of him when he was a one-man company. 20-something years ago when he was selling books online. He personally was packing the books, you know, in the boxes and taking the orders. Much less sophisticated and much cruder tools in those days. But he talked about his vision of just making it super easy, super fast, very reliable, 
quick delivery, having this giant universe of third-party sellers. And that's all come to, to pass, and it's uh, materialized in production. But the, the only time they ever made money in a year in that business was the pandemic, when the government shut everybody else down. And my point about Bernie and his ilk is that they love to trash Bezos. He's very wealthy. Dude, you're the one that made him wealthier because you shut everybody else down. You only gave us a choice to deal with him and Walmart. Kroger, remember that? You made him wealthier. Why don't they acknowledge that? It's your stupid policies. Because that requires self-reflection. Oh, and maybe acknowledgement of error? Yeah, and that's impossible to get out of a Democrat. Won't see it. It's really hard to get out of a Republican, but it's impossible to get out of a Democrat. Impossible. I totally agree. So they made a little money last quarter. Not a lot, mind you, but they did make a couple of billion bucks. And why is that not a lot? <clears throat> Talking about in the e-commerce business, they made seven for the quarter, which is a record, by the way. That ain't a lot when your sales are $150 billion. Still relatively low profit margin. But the market liked it. Stock went up. I hadn't checked it lately. It was trending upward, doing quite nicely. And uh, some of the analysts have new targets on the stock, which are... According to the Google box, it's up 11% today. Well, that's huge. Right. That yeah, I'm looking at you're right. It's up fourteen bucks, trading at one forty three. I heard one analyst this morning put a one ninety price target on it, fifty bucks. Well that'd be nice. Yeah. The shares that are down today, Apple. I mean, these guys print money, but the analysts just want so much more. And the main reason is because iPhone sales are slacking a little bit. They got a new version coming out. You know how that works. People are waiting. By the way, they they shared did in their guidance, Apple, that this quarter typically is slow for iPhone sales. I don't know why. The quarter just ended in June. I'm not sure why. But they said typically that's their slow quarter. Maybe Christmas, for example, that you know, the Christmas shopping is a yeah. big quarter for them for phones and so forth. On the ceasefire tax line, we were talking earlier about the uh, hostilities that have ensued uh, in the races, political races here in Mississippi. In particular, I think, the focus on the lieutenant governor's race. Um, and, you know, to your point a minute ago, Rhino, uh, about people get sort of tribal and they get entrenched, and if you're not with them, you, you know, you're just you're an outcast. And what's amazing is I'm seeing people say, well, it's terrible when so-and-so is attacking this good person. And it's like, okay, but that's on both sides. <laughs> it's not like there's a franchise on that. You know what, you know what I'm saying? Oh, like yeah. they, they only see that half of it. They mean just blinders on. Listening like to the this, Egg Bowl. Half of the people <laughs> yeah. there think the other half's team is cheaters. That's right. That is Look so at them. Right. They're going low. They're going for his ankles. And all of them are. They're holding. They're all holding. Well, having coached youth sports, and I know a lot of people out there can identify with this, having coached youth sports for so many years, and, you know, you get beat. It's never because we suck. It was the umpires, right? It's the referees. They cheated. They did this. No, we just suck. We didn't do very well. But it couldn't be little Bobby. 
Oh, no, it's the rest of the team. That's the other one I love. You did everything. I've heard parents say this. You did everything you could do, son. Your teammates just didn't back you up. Are you kidding me? Like you're infallible on a baseball field? You never make an error. You get a hit at every at-bat. Are you kidding me? You're on the mound and nobody, you pitch a no-hitter every time. And the crazy thing is, the one out of a million athlete where that's you, where that's actually the case, where they are carrying the team, they usually don't have parents that have that kind of attitude. Duh. You know, I, you're so right. And and the parents that I know that were parents of such athletes, listen to your coach, son. That's all he's saying. Now, if your coach is a schmuck, that's different. You don't need him being a coach. But I'm saying, thank God, I don't have to worry about this one, you know. Oh, my gosh. On the ceasefire text line, Rich and Biloxi listening to McDaniel and Hoseman ready to pick option three. Thomas and Greenwood, speaking of mudslinging, I know I give you a lot of flack, but I must tip my hat to you. You've remained more neutral and fair than anyone else in the media, and you don't have to. Thanks for choosing the high ground. It's refreshing. I really appreciate that, Thomas. I appreciate you, your kind words. Appreciate you noticing that. And by the way, I don't consider uh, our exchanges to be flack. You know that. Uh, I welcome those. I think it's good uh, to have open discussion and debate. You're always respectful. I hope you think that I'm respectful when I respond and that's why I always laugh when people get upset and go to social media to decry they've been blocked. <laughs> you have to be a real horse's hind end to get blocked. Yeah. It's not because we disagree. It's because you're constantly dog cussing or, or calling us liars. Or you're just worthless and your opinion is worthless. It's not because of a disagreement if you ever get blocked. Yeah, totally agree. It's not because of a disagreement. It's just because... You no longer provide value, shall we say. Just the abuse, right, and the, and the vitriol is of no value. You want, you want, I mean, Thomas does provide provocative thought, and I'm okay with that, and we analyze that. We may disagree, and that's fine. That's what it's all about. But when you start just being a butt, as you said, well, then we don't have use for that. We don't have time for that. That's not really contributing to the conversation. We are coming right back on middays. We got half an hour left in hour one. Kelly Bennett at 1120 to give us an update on the news. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Welcome, welcome to our show. On Super Talk Mississippi. Okay, now you have a good one. Welcome back, everyone. It's Middays. We're live in the Element Well studio. Today on In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, you'll hear part two of an interview with country music producer Rick Sanjak, who helped launch the outlaw country music in the 70s 
with the likes of Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings in a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar is presented by Superior Catfish. Remember, there's catfish, then there's Superior Catfish. It's U.S. farm-raised catfish with homegrown flavor. Ask for it by name at your favorite store or restaurant and go to superiorcatfish.com for more info. Superior Catfish. In the early days of my company, we um, had a a very robust practice. It's really how we started the company, helping small, mid-sized businesses automate accounting systems. This was the first opportunity, really, for them, because before the personal computer in multi-user systems that we kind of built up like robots, we used to call them robo-PC, we put all these boards in them and stuff that you could hang terminals off of for networking, Unix-based systems, and you'd run accounting application software. We used to call it Glapper, G-L-A-P-A-R, payroll, just to run a small business. It's stuff that's easy today, no big deal. Did Hard. it have a jingle like the Clapper? <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, I actually helped some of the catfish processors and chicken processors automate the back office you know and everybody's got to do that and so i had a chance to tour those facilities you guys have you ever been through a catfish processor in the delta man it's something those trucks deliver those fish i don't know if it's still the case it's been a long time ago of course but they harvest the fish from the ponds from the farms and they carry them on purpose-built trucks, trucks filled with water to transport the fish. And they go, typical factory, I mean, it's the raw material coming in on one end and the finished goods coming out on the other and all the processing in between. And they'd come in and drop those fish and they'd go up a conveyor. And, you know, there was machines that would, that would gut and debone the fish. And then this is really what was neat. They'd go through this conveyor process that would separate them by weight. And and as they, they moved through that conveyor, there'd be several categories. I don't remember, six, eight categories or so of the size and the weight. And there was levers, you know, on the conveyor belt. They'd come through, and it would somehow sense the weight of it, and boom, it'd push it off into the bucket. And then they'd move into the next process. But the one that really intrigued me is, uh, you know, you see in the store, you'll see boxes of, say, Cajun-breaded catfish, for example, blackened catfish, right, that are already done for you. You just got to bake them up, finish them up. But they did that by hand back then. And you'd go in a room, I'm going to guess this room would be like, 40 by 60-something rectangular. And I'm telling you, the workers were shoulder-to-shoulder in that room with tables and those fish fillets that they would bread. And you'd walk in that room, as I did, because I had to just see the process to understand how to automate the systems. And you'd walk in that room, and it would be a cloud of the seasoning. And I'd come out, I don't see how they did it, because many of them didn't, you know, they had a little mask on, but they really weren't, like, protecting you from breathing. 
No, it's more like a hairnet for your face. Right, and that's and that that's right. And that was a a requirement, of course. Oh, you yeah. know. Um, and you got USD people around to make sure they're complying with all those rules. But I'm telling you, I'd walk out after being in there for two minutes, eyes watering, coughing. I don't see how they did it. My hat's off. It's like the people that make Tabasco. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. How the heck do they do that? And, but I remember, you know, when when one of the executives was giving me a tour, so we're trying. I'm trying to document and understand all the processing and the workflow, and. One of the executives giving me a tour. So there, sometimes there's certain size of the fish would have to be manually deboned, if that makes sense. They'd have to, so they they'd ship that to a, a special area, and they'd have workers there, mostly ladies, and they would manually debone. And I'll never forget this. The executive said, uh, "You probably want to take her on your next fishing trip because <laughs> I mean, so fast to fish it. Something that take me an hour. You know, they're doing it in like ten seconds. It's just perfect. Doing that all day, incredible. But it's a huge industry in our state. And uh, man, my hats off to workers that work in those factories. I don't know what it's like today. It's been you know, it's thirty years when I did that." I was helping those guys, and the same in the in the chicken business as well. It's a big business in Mississippi, bigger than you think. You know, over in Scott County, and in particular, where you've got lots of in that area of uh, East Central Mississippi, and then of course the Delta, where all the fish farms are, and the processors. A fascinating industry. It really is uh, produces a lot of um, economic output for our state. There's no doubt that Mississippi farm-raised catfish is the gold standard in the state of Mississippi. I don't know how many tens of thousands of acres are underwater. And something else that Mississippi State University has played a key role in really boosting that industry and and um, making it more efficient, produced all sorts of technology to help manage the ponds themselves uh, so that you could really grow the fish in a in a very dense uh, way uh, without risking the, the death of the fish. they got to have air and stuff. And they have all kinds of monitoring devices. I'm sure it's all web-based now, you know, where the farmer can tell and gets alerts and all that sort of stuff. It's fascinating, though. But that, oh, yeah, they played a big role. Uh, I mean, if you want to go down an interesting rabbit hole, just start looking up either manufacturing or farming technology and just see some of the ways that it's been automated in the last few decades to the point where you have, say, apples coming off of a truck, and there's these little flippers that as it's falling, it can tell which apple is bruised, which apple isn't ripe, and it just knocks it off into a bin while the rest go through the processing. It's incredible. You're right. And it's it's because of all this innovation, which, by the way, is spurred on by, I know, capitalism, something that uh, many Democrats in Washington refuse to accept as the best economic model. It's because of that. You know, the opportunity to make a profit because you produce something of value, but no doubt that that has been injected throughout the entire agricultural ecosystem, and we all benefit from. And I would submit, Rhino, we couldn't keep up with the demand for food without the technology the agricultural industry uses 
to be more efficient in the production of it. It's why the left wants you to do with less. Oh, exactly. Because they know without capitalism, deep down in their heart of hearts, in the, the part of themselves they don't talk about at parties, they know without capitalism, with their brand of governance, it wouldn't be possible. Totally agree. R- remember communism in the Soviet Union in the 60s and 70s. Folks were starving. And then all of a sudden they said, hey, you know what? You can have this land and actually make a profit on what you produce here. And the yields went up dramatically. Like the light bulb went off to the communist uh, bourgeois, right? <laughs> when they figured out, oh, guess what? People produce better when they actually get to keep what they make and improve their own lives. They produce more for society. What a novel concept. Robin Hattiesburg says, at this point, I would rather see Hoseman and McDaniel running in traffic than running for office. Both ad packages are disgusting. Hmm. Charles and Matheson. Alan Sibley, I believe a candidate for state senate, stopped by the House for a meet and a handshake. Spent the better part of half an hour in conversation. Most positive, forward-thinking, enjoyable discussion one could imagine. Wish more candidates represented themselves this way. I received seven flyers from Lance Varner. I don't know who he is, but he's getting my vote because of sheer tenacity. That's interesting. I I would encourage you just to check this out. Who is funding the flyers? Take a look at that, because... You'll find that most of the time when you see these mailings being dropped, not always, but most of the time, those are coming from funded by political action committees, PACs, that are supporting that candidate. That's typically where that comes from. So I just would, you know, no, not taking anything away from Lance and, and the fact you got flyers, I would just point out that that uh, if, if you're... Uh, if your rationale is because of the tenacity of the candidate, typically those mailers don't come from the candidate. They typically come from outside parties, external parties, and that's fine. You can That may be impressive to you, and that's your reason for a vote. Just check that out. I would encourage you to. And also, the last day to vote, absentee, isn't that coming up? Or are we past that? We're coming right back. We'll talk about it. Covering the stories that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk Mississippi. We all down at Margie Bar Telling stories if we had one Someone fired the old jukebox up The song it sure was a sad one Teardrop rolled down Bubba's nose But the pain the song was inflicting And all at once he jumped to his feet Just like Okay, so Saturday, that would be tomorrow According to the report I'm looking at Says it's the last day for Mississippi voters to cast in person Correct. Absentee ballots for the primary elections that will be held next Tuesday, tomorrow. By the way, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. That's at supertalk.fm slash newsletter. Yesterday, we did a deep dive into the My Election Day link 
and all the information available there. That would be on the Secretary of State's website. I highly encourage you to go there if you're interested in seeing what your ballot is will look like when you go to the polls this coming Tuesday. Also, it will inform you as to where you are to vote. Shows your polling place. Uh, my election day. It's not a myelectionday.com, as Rhino pointed out yesterday. You've got to go to the Secretary of State's website, and then what? There's a link to elections and voting, I think. And then that's yeah, there's the page. a button at the top. Let me pull it back up here. Do they have a direct link? I asked the secretary yesterday, well, let's put a direct link out there on the splash page so I don't have to drill down. Yeah, you go to the top, it says y'all vote. Okay. Click on that. Yep. And then you've got three blue columns with red buttons. You're looking for the middle column, the bottom red button that says my election day, and that takes you to the page where you can put in your zip code and your address and get all your voting information. There you go. Appreciate that. So we were we were talking earlier about just the... The flashcards, the brochures, the campaign materials of... The temporary dustpan. (laughs) Right. For for Republican candidates that typically uh, uh, indicate that they are are, their religion. They're Christian, conservatives, and so forth, which is fine. That's just no problem. I I just observe that that's not a differentiator, because if everybody's got it, it's not a differentiator. I can't say, well, I'm voting for that one because they're a Christian conservative. Well, so are the other four in the race. That's like Snickers, Milky Way, Three Musketeers, (laughs) and Reese's all saying, we've got chocolate. (laughs) That's right. So on the C Spire text line, a great book, Notre Dame versus the Klan. I I just had from Allen on the 662. I just mentioned that in its early days of operation, when the Klan was really active, 50s and 60s, that uh, pretty much their standard was you had to be a wasp white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, and they didn't think too kindly of Catholics and Jewish people and just those of other faiths and so forth. Uh, Let's see. CBS had live coverage of Trump's arraignment. It was rather somber, is the way it was described in an article I read. I don't know why they said somber. I think it's an anti-Trump article. Arraignment complete with drone camera footage of his motorcade. That was fascinating. I saw some of that, CC in Sanitobia. You're right. The anchors and field reporters were basically in glee, trying to keep from smiling. It's impressive how much they hate his guts. The race lady over there at MSNBC was just ecstatic as well, as you can well imagine. <laughs> so, yeah, and it, what it does, in my view, is it diminishes that Hey, did the guy really break the law or not? That's what we're supposed to be doing here, is ap- applying the law, blind justice. But they're not. It's just politics. It's weaponization of what I thought were our most, and most Americans thought, were our most cherished uh, institutions, those of the highest integrity that we rely on. So it does approach the level of banana republic, and it is scary. Whether or not the guy broke the law, that ought to be sorted out in accordance with law, not your political persuasion. And that's unfortunately what's going on. On the other hand, Joe Biden, man, I don't know about that. It's just looking more and more like the the uh, the testimony. Well, they're running out of room to walk back. Yeah, so it's 
no business dealings and not involved. I mean, I don't remember all the, the well, way no, they... It started off with, I have never spoken with Hunter <laughs> yeah. about his business dealings. Yeah, that's true. And then it went to, I have never been in business with Hunter. And then it went to, well, I've never talked to his associates. And then it went to, well, I only talked about the weather. <laughs> and that, the spin I like is, well, it's it's a father and their son. He's just exhibiting his affection for his son. Horse hockey on that deal, man. That's crazy. Appreciate that, CC. I do believe the Dems will find a way to put Biden on the shelf and get behind Vivek. He would be the best chance to win. Huh? Vivek, of course, Karen is running as a Republican uh, in the Republican primary. So his, his challenge is to overtake Donald Trump, who is way at the top of the list in the Republican. I think it's Gavin Newsom that's sitting on the sidelines waiting for Joe Biden with one or two more gaffes from Joe Biden, and I think he's he's out. Gavin Newsom will enter the race, and he likely would win. We got, uh, speaking of gaffes, we got Kamala coming up after the Fox News and Superdot News at this break. We're in the Element Well studio. And now, and now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone. It's hour two of Middays Live from the Element Well studio on this Friday, y'all. Aha. So, Mike from Grand Bay says, horse hockey or pure malarkey? Well, why don't we have a listen here? We need a little fodder, a little entertainment. Vice President Kamala Harris. In particular... We will discuss the work that we will do together to strengthen our space cooperation. You and I spoke briefly about the beginning of the next era and for you what that means in terms of your leadership and your vision for the future. And certainly strengthening our space cooperation would be a part of that agenda, including, of course, using our space cooperation to think about how we strengthen the economic prosperity and development of our nations. What in the wide world of sports is she talking about? Do you have what? What is she talking about? Well, here's the secret: not even she knows. <laughs> and for context, she's uh, this is uh, side by side at the podium at a press conference in uh, Mongolia with with I should say the president the Prime Minister, actually, of Mongolia. I hesitate to pronounce the President's name there, Rhino. Oyen Erdine Lufsamaswari? I don't know. I can't pronounce it. 
L-U-V-S-A-N-N-A-M-S-R-A-I. I bet it's Sray. Sray? Yeah. Oh, well. But that's, uh, I have no idea. You and I spoke briefly about the beginning of the next era, and for you, what that means in terms of your leadership and your vision for the future, and certainly strengthening our space cooperation would be a part of the agenda, including, of course, using our space cooperation to think about how we strengthen the economic prosperity and development of our nations. What the hell is that? At least they weren't unburdened by what has been. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I do think we're going to see likely something happen. I really do. Between now and Democrat primary time, that's going to propel Gavin Newsom. And uh, it's, it's going to, I guess, push him into the race and then propel him to the top of the list of potential nominees for president on the Democrat side. In the meantime, Trump is fundraising money off his latest indictment. This is what's so silly. It's just the opposite of what they want. They think that they're harming him and his chances, and in fact, they indict him, arraigning, and then he raises money. His poll numbers go up. Oh, gosh. They just don't understand human nature. Of course, nothing in the Democrat doctrine understands, appreciates good old basic human nature. It really doesn't. Crazy. Let's see here. Tim in Cleveland says, Democrat ticket, Biden-Clinton. Hmm. I don't know about that, Tim. (laughs) See my vote website also says to type slow on your address so it has time to find it. Well, that's just in the look ahead feature, Philip and Brookhaven. I really enjoy your program daily. Listen best, however, best mail, however, is blue plate. Wow, huh? Not sure what's going on there. Is that for our program? I believe they were talking Mayo on Sports Talk, oh. but it would be strange if that text was sent then and just now came through yeah, now. Yeah, I would agree. Gary in the Bunker says, hey, what about the golf ball business? There are a zillion ways to lose them, and us golfing folks are always buying more. Should be a great stock. Gary in the Bunker. I did. Thank you, Gary. I did uh, look up. Somebody told us that, who was it here, that, uh, yeah, Bowen Indianola, which is kind of the heart honestly, of the catfish industry. Mississippi catfish industry is about gone. There's no small catfish farmer anymore. Also, a lot of those plants are gone, and they're closed up. Chinese and Vietnamese catfish herd it. Appreciate that, Bo. I, I, in fact, did a little research on that myself. Now, I haven't been around it in 35 years, but I want to say when I was involved in it back in the 90s, that there was about 75,000 acres underwater at that time. At the high point, the industry had 112,000, this is from, according to Mississippi State report, acres in production, and now it looks like it's down to about 35,000 acres. So it has declined somewhat. Interesting. But the MSU Extension Service has certainly been integral in helping that industry achieve efficiencies and yields and and um, just thrive, but unfortunately it does look like that but if I'm not mistaken, the Magnolia State still produces more than half of all the farm-raised catfish in the United States. 
that sounds right. I want right. to say it's north of 60% even. Uh, and it seems like maybe Arkansas was second on that list in terms of, of a production and acres underwater. Let's see what else. Mo says, it's hot outside, but I got started early, and I'm going to spend the rest of the day in the A.C. Good for you, Mose. Does Kamala have a speechwriter and just ignores him? That's a great question. I don't know. Oh, Kamala, I remember the first time I hit the bong. <laughs> so Thomas it would says... would definitely explain the giggles. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What would you say here, Thomas? Uh... Bassa killed it? Yeah, Bassa and Sway are the, the two fish species that come from Asia that ah, okay. often get substituted for catfish. Okay. Then the country of origin labeling law killed all the catfish restaurants that were selling cheap Chinese fish and calling it catfish. Interesting. Yeah, yeah you really don't want to... If you if you haven't eaten lunch yet, you don't want to look into how Bassa and Sway are raised. Oh, jeez. It's not very hygienic. Oh, okay. Not Kinda sure. Gross. I'm not sure I wanted you to tell me that. Uh, let's see something else. Thomas said here. Yeah, talking about John F. Kennedy. We were just discussing earlier about the religious uh, affiliations of candidates and how that often plays into their their uh, promotion and their their campaign. Says they thought a Catholic president meant the Pope ran America. You're right about that, Thomas. That's absolutely true. And yeah, a lot of the anti-Catholicism that came from the Klan and from other organizations really boils down to a a basic misunderstanding of theology. Like it, it wasn't uncommon in previous generations to hear that, oh well, well Catholics aren't real Christians because they pray to Mary. Yeah, and which is totally wrong. And to your point there, Rhino, there's a meme you may have seen it that's floating around, been floating around social media for a while that shows it's it's a picture uh looking at a person um engaged in the sacrament of penance which we hold in the catholic church and and that's just a a sacrament where you confess your sins uh to a priest in private and it's not that you believe or that we believe the priest can absolve you. We're asking the priest to intercede on our behalf, to help pray for us. And, and that we're, it's just an act where you're saying, I did this, I'm sorry. And the, and the priest typically then will, will uh, instruct you on a penance. Now, when I was a kid, we had to do that once a month. Uh, usually the penance was, go say, three Our Fathers. Four Hail Marys, two Glory Be. We had, you know, a series of, of prayers in the Catholic religion. But that somehow is widely misconstrued, misconceived to mean that, oh, no, we're actually praying to the priest. But the meme that goes around always shows a person and the Pope. And what you see is, don't confess your sins to a man in a box. He cannot forgive you. Only God can convince forgive sins, not man. We agree. We we don't believe that the Pope or a priest or Mary or anybody else can forgive our sins. But we do believe that they can intercede on our behalf, as can the saints. We believe the saints are, 
around the Father, God in heaven. And so we pray, please go to God and tell him I've been a bad person. Help me out here. That's what that's about. They get all bent out of shape about that, though. It's just misunderstood. It's an organizational method for what a lot of Protestant faiths call a, what did I, I just went blank on it, a accountability partner. Oh, I'm not even heard of that. To hold you accountable and to pray for you. Okay. Okay. Well, it's uh, it's misunderstood and it it gets hijacked and sort of commandeered into a whole different narrative. It's just not true. We're stepping aside right now for a break. When we come back, it's Kelly Bennett, multimedia journalist with Super Talk Mississippi News. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are live in the Element Well studio. We welcome to the program Kelly Bennett. Without flaw. I'm proud. <laughs> <laughs> that worked. All Morning, right. guys. How are you? Well, what's going on, Kelly? Tell us, uh, tell us all about it. We got elections coming up, as you know. We've been talking yes, about that. on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about our election coverage for Tuesday sure. night. The uh, Super Talk Mississippi news team is going to be busy getting the results in for you on Tuesday night with uh, updates throughout the night. And then Wednesday morning, I'm going to be here in my chair early in the morning making sure to give you the results first oh, thing. Awesome. And just in case you wake up a little later. Yeah. We'll repeat them for you okay. through the morning, so you can tune in Wednesday morning to find out. Okay. A- any uh, any expectations on your part at this point? Have you seen any polls or heard any any feedback that would be more official in nature? What do you think? I don't know, Gerard. I love how you get me to try to guess what <laughs> voters are going to do on Tuesday, <laughs> but I have no clue. I don't make prognostications, okay. and um, I know the most contested races. Of course, it's got to be the lieutenant governor's race, yeah, between uh, McDaniel and Delbert Hoseman. Interesting. Ted Cruz came out and endorsed McDaniel yesterday. Sure did. Yeah, we talked about did that. Did you hear that? Yeah, we did. We actually yeah. talked about yeah. it because I, I, it harkened me back to the the uh, 2016 uh, presidential election when uh, uh, Chris McDaniel supported Ted Cruz in the primary. And they actually campaigned together in the state of Mississippi in 2015 and leading up to the 2016 election. Rhino recalled them visiting Tupelo, and I actually found a photo of Senator Cruz and McDaniel together uh, in Tupelo. So uh-huh. 
Uh, but yeah, that that was big news. In the meantime, uh, Senators Cindy Hyde Smith and Roger Wicker uh, have pledged their support on their support behind Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman. In fact, at a, a local political event here Wednesday, Senator Cindy Hyde Smith told the attending crowd of some two hundred or so that that uh, the Lieutenant Governor is pro-life. That that's been very controversial issue that has been uh, yeah. hung on the lieutenant governor by Chris McDaniel. You know, that's a big thing that we did cover this week. We talked a little bit about these political action committees or PACs coming in, buying ads during political season. And those ads are what are responsible for a lot of this smear stuff and the mudslinging that you're hearing. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily the candidates, and they've talked about that. Uh, you had either you had or Gallo had Secretary of State Michael Watson on earlier this week talking about it. Paul, Paul did, yeah. They're not even following the campaign finance laws, and it's not being enforced, and it's kind of creating this influx of that kind of activity. It's going to be a bigger issue. Uh, in our state, the the violation of various campaign finance laws and and the uh, the firewall that's supposed to exist between a campaign, a candidate, and political action committees that that uh, seems to be getting a little fuzzy as well. Yeah, yeah. Another big story we covered for you this week. It, it all went down yesterday, and I got to tell you, kudos to the other members of the news team. We worked. So in sync yesterday. So you had Caleb Sailors out at the courthouse uh, and at the press conference, and you had Alyssa ready to put stuff online. And then, of course, I was in the anchor seat at that point when the verdict started coming in. This is all in uh, regard to the Rankin County Sheriff's Department and the guilty pleas of six former law enforcement officers, five of which served in his department that beat, tortured, and sexually assaulted two black men in January of this year. And I'm sure you're going to hear a lot of these stories today because Sheriff, uh, the Sheriff Brian Bailey has made a lot of changes since this occurred in January to keep it from happening again. One of the things I think they announced in the press conference yesterday, the Sheriff said he was surprised to find when he arrived on scene, they didn't have their body cams on. Right, And there was a law that allowed that to happen or a policy that allowed that to happen. He's already changed that, so that won't happen again. They're going to start doing random body body cam checks and taser checks on the officers in his department. And uh, it's just, I think even the, the sheriff was surprised by the details of what occurred. And he conducted a press conference as well, did Sheriff Brian Bailey, and it was it got somewhat mm-hmm. emotional uh, for him, and he was uh, asked if he would resign. He said, no, he's not resigning. That's the latest. Basically, it sounds like he wants to fix the problem. And he said during the press conference, he didn't say it in these exact words, but his biggest mistake was trusting his officers to do what they had pledged to do and sworn to do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he certainly yeah. can't be everywhere, uh, but you, that's what you have those cameras for. Uh, and you know, That's they, true. Right. So they, they messed up by not having those things on and active. 
again, if you want more details on this story, there's a lot more detail than we can give you here. Just log on to supertalk.fm. We'll have them for you. Gas prices, Gerard, they're up again. They're not going down anytime soon. Right. <laughs> Sadly. Right. And I know you and I, because I listen to your show often, are really wishing that they would open up the domestic energy supply and get these gas prices back down. But now Saudi Arabia is saying they're going to cut off production. So right now, the average for a gallon of regular in Mississippi is at 383. And we're probably going to see it keep going up. 383, really? Is that the lowest grade of Three, Oh, I'm sorry. That's the national average. That's the national average, In Mississippi, right. it's 333. Which I think typically we are lowest of the states because we have a very low uh, tax, fuel tax, which is a big part of the price right. of gas. So it's approaching 6 bucks in California a gallon, which has the highest. How scary is that? It's crazy. Can you imagine? Uh-uh. And they have to they have to travel in their cars a lot too in California. A lot of folks do. You got to drive for the most part. Don't. Um, yeah, it's is cr- it it's rural crazy. like we are? It's not that it's rural. Yeah. It's just that there are a lot of people. It's just big, you know. So you have a lot of people that live far away from work because they can't afford housing that maybe is next to their work. Like, for example, the city of so I know this is way off the subject. I read where the city of San Jose, very very expensive cost of living. There's not a there's not a police officer in the San Jose Police Department that lives in the city of San Jose because they can't afford it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> very very expensive. They That's don't make enough money. Blowing. It's crazy. And my guess is there's probably no other uh, public workers that work for the city uh, uh, that can live in the city. So they have to travel. That's the point. Well, you know, when gas prices go up. It raises the cost of everything Everything. because how do your goods get to the store? Yeah, and oil, of course, is used in the production of so much, so many other products as well. So, that true. Yeah, could go to it's it's what eighty two dollars a barrel. It could go to a hundred for the end of the year. We could be looking at you know four dollar, five dollar gas in Mississippi. Yeah, Bidenomics is working. It's crazy. It's what he tells us. He and the (laughs) vice president are proclaiming that everywhere. Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy. You want some happier news while we're talking about how much money we're spending at the gas pump? Please. Uh, The Mega Millions jackpot for tonight has grown to an estimated one, two point. Dang it, I'll say it right, Gerard. $1.25 billion. That's the fourth largest in the game's history. The Powerball jackpot for tomorrow night's drawing is at $1.24 million. The Mississippi Match 5 jackpot, which is pretty popular. Yeah. Uh, that's back at 50000 for yeah. Saturday's drawing. That's a bunch of money. Uh, $1.2 billion. Uh, 1.35. I just got a text from Meg Anderson at the Lottery Corp, so it just went up is what happened. So, oh, good. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and it probably will go up even more before the drawing tonight. Yeah, that is that is a big old jackpot. I, I do recommend to folks while we're talking about that, there's an app, I've said this before on the program, called Lotto. You can download, and it's I found it to be the most helpful uh, the best user interface of all the apps that you can immediately get a splash page that says, here's what the jackpots are for the two big multi-state games, just right off the bat. And then all the Mississippi multi-state, uh, pardon me, the Mississippi drawdown games are listed as well. So it's really pretty cool app. So maybe you you going to play? Maybe you win. 
Oh, yeah. I'm just trying to decide how many tickets to buy. <laughs> well, I look forward, I look forward to, uh, to congratulate you when you win the big jackpot, Kelly. Well, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you joining us and giving us all the scoop in Mississippi. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. You bet. Kelly Bennett, multimedia journalist, Super Talk Mississippi News, coming right back. Is everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. in the Element Well studio. So the market's trending even higher. The Dow up now 260. And, of course, yesterday we had a sell-off. And it was the day before we had a significant sell-off. And that was because of the downgrade of America's credit. Fitch came out. You know, they met, did you know about this? Met in the White House with the President. Now, May have not have been the president. It was other folks in the White House. Because I think he's at, in Delaware on the beach. You've seen some of the photos. But he met with the administration. Yeah, because Janet Yellen came out with a press conference That's disagreeing with them. That's right. And and they tried to talk him out of it, did Janet Yellen. No, you shouldn't downgrade. But Fitch did. And they, they cited two reasons. Uh, the The chaos, I guess, and just the... The instability associated with... Well, it's the lack of deliberation when you hold everything to the last minute. Right. And we got to get it done or else. Exactly. Talking about the debt ceiling, and, and of course, default would have been disastrous for the economy and certainly the market. And so that's what Fitch's job is, is to issue a rating that investors and third parties would consider in making investments or, in the case of lenders, buying the government's debt. You want to make sure they're going to pay it back. There's never been a default. Don't expect there ever would, but you're right. Pushing it to the 11th hour and all the consternation and confrontation and conflict that occurs before they finally get it over the finish line just causes lots of angst. And so Fitch said, you guys got to do a better job here. We got to have more certainty, something we've talked about so many times on the program. It's faith, confidence, and certainty. That drives investment, expansion, business expansion, and job creation. And when you don't have faith, confidence, and certainty, you tend to hunker down. I saw this morning a company we had a relationship with in the technology world, Fortinet. They're a network infrastructure provider, manufacturer. And they also make lots of cybersecurity tools. And they announced their earnings. They were disappointing, but they said, we're just seeing customers now in that world. The customers are big enterprises, large enterprises. 
And when the large enterprises say, you know, we're gonna we're gonna just do with what we got. That's always the the challenge in the technology business is how long do you keep milking your existing technology versus investing in new replacement. And so they're being told by across the country, large enterprises, we're just gonna sit tight for a while. And so their guidance was negative. And man, the stock tanked, and so did uh, Palo Alto Networks, which is a competitor and operates in the same space that Fortinet does. So this could be a harbinger of a looming recession. When you see large enterprises start to kind of put the screws down on spending, making capital investment, especially in technology, it's, it's worrisome. No doubt about that. So there was a report this morning as well about unemployment, unemployment claims, and shows that the hiring has been somewhat slower this summer, slower pace, 187,000 jobs added last, last month. I mean, it's a relatively solid figure, but it's below expectations and certainly indicative of a negative trend, a downward trend. So the market, I think, is reacting positively. This is so crazy. We're so honed in on interest, the the benchmark Fed funds rate. Hey, maybe because unemployment dropped, or I should say job, not unemployment, the job creation dropped, not unemployment, job creation, new jobs. Hey, maybe that means that, that the Fed will stay pat where it is right now with respect to interest rates, and we won't get a rise in the next meeting, an increase in the rate, and the market's reacting positively to that. It's crazy, isn't it? It's good news. Bad news is good news. The bad news is we're not creating as many jobs, and the market says that's good news because the Fed's over there wanting to raise interest rates to keep from adding jobs. It's just backwards, and it's all because of the bad fiscal policy coming out of the Biden administration and the Fed every time Jerome Powell's asked about it. You know, I, I, don't, uh, I don't wander into those, those policy arena areas. That's for the government to figure out. No, you should, as chairman of the Fed. You should speak up and say something about it. You should tell the country, you know, we're having to do this because of the crazy spending coming out of the Biden administration. So it wasn't too long ago, Rhino, you remember the president and, and, and now to some extent Kamala running around, I cut the deficit by, you know, that, that creepy, I cut the deficit. And, of course, we explained that, the context around that. It's a completely fake, phony uh, impression that he gives there. And his assertion is just wrong. Well, here's the problem he's going to have. I just got the Treasury report. We, uh, we're sitting at a, where we were last year in terms of deficit. For the entire year last year, we're sitting right there right now with three months remaining in the fiscal year. And by the way, it's the three months, the, the trailing three months, the final three months of the federal government's fiscal year typically is where we produce the highest deficits. It just has to do with the way income comes into the Treasury versus spending going out. So if you just extrapolate from that, annualize that figure, 
plus because of the typical increase we experience in the final three months of the year. We're looking at a $2 trillion deficit, $2 trillion this year relative to $1.4 last year. So what's the president going to say? He can't say, I got the deficit. No, the deficit rose, rose between 22 and 23 fiscal years. The other disturbing piece of data that I got in the report, our interest cost on the debt through June, $652 billion, a record. And we got three months left. We're likely to have to borrow more in the final three months. We're looking at a trillion-dollar interest tab this year. A trillion. We're headed to two trillion. Interest. Now, I know we all get upset about the $40, $50 billion we're sending to Ukraine. I get that. But the interest tab is going to be a trillion. Twenty-five times what we're sending to Ukraine. Light a match to it. Interest. Nobody says anything about it. Rarely do you hear anything. Except the candidates that say, i got to get in there and cut that spending. Okay. What? They never say. Never say. But that's where we are. That's just mind-boggling to me, guys. $652 billion of interest. Just for comparative purposes, I'm in a camp that believes a core function of government, a constitutional responsibility of government, is to protect the nation from those who would attack it, seek to harm it physically, right? That's what the Department of Defense is for. Worked out pretty well through the last couple hundred years. Well, we spent $850 billion on the military. I don't know what the right number is. I acknowledge there's waste in the U.S. military, the Pentagon. Hell, they can't account for all the money, which is honestly just abhorrent to think about. But... We're going to spend 30% more on interest this year than we are on the military, on defending the nation. That's crazy to me to think about. And that just doesn't seem to get the attention. But the unemployment rate, it actually fell um, about 0.1%. It's still sitting around 3.6%. But the bigger thing is is that we added fewer jobs than expected, and the market, I think, is sees that as good news and that, okay, the Fed feels like its, its interest rate campaign is honestly is causing slow job growth, and that means... This is their theory. Folks got less money in their pocket to spend, which is uh, drives inflation. But I don't think people are buying into what Joe's saying with the Bidenomics stuff, because as we indicated with Kelly, the price of gas got a three-handle in front of it now in Mississippi. People are starting to get their power bills from last month. They're shocked when they see that cost of food. They're not buying it. They're just not buying it. We're coming right back with more in the Element Well studio. Yeah. 
Middays with Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for. back in the Element Wealth Studio. The U.S. has defaulted four times in history, 1862, 1933, 1968, 1971. Nah, it was delay. It, it wasn't permanent default. Nobody's ever written off a dime that the U.S. owed them, ever. If it ever happened, the global economy would collapse Default is in being delinquent. It's like you're late on your credit card, really what happened. So it's that's why all the There's hype- also a bit of a difference in discussing the economy nineteen seventy one forward and nineteen seventy one backwards because of the gold standard. True. Under Nixon. So and that's on the ceasefire tax line. I get what you're saying, but that's just really not true. Um it's Missing a payment or being delinquent on the payment, missing to pay it on time, that's different than permanent default. You you bought a car, you owe for a car, and you have to pay for it on the first of every month, as an example, and you pay it on the 15th. Or that's just being delinquent, being late. That'll get recorded on your credit report. On the other hand, you bought a car, you owe it, and you don't you just stop paying for it permanently. That's different. That's what we're talking about here. So that's when the guy with the tow truck shows up and isn't very nice about it. Typically. That would be correct. Tony in Columbia says Joe is raising the prices now so we can lower them just before the election. Well, if that's true, Tony, that means that he's in cahoots with the Saudi Arabian officials who pretty much control production out of there, because that's what's driving the price ups. They've cut production intentionally because they're trying to get the price up. You silly Americans keep buying it. I mean, it's the truth. It's just a market. We start curbing demand, they'll pull it back. That's what that's all about. Which is why we harp on domestic production. Right. Now, that doesn't stay here for final... Um, uh, processing and refining into usable fuel, but it does increase the overall supply in the global market. It's a global commodity. And so the more we can produce here, we don't have to be worried about Saudi Arabia's whims and OPEC's whims. We'll just say, okay, you cut back, we'll just we'll ratchet ours up. And it, that goes into the, the global supply. Think about it. Saudi Arabia doesn't consume all the oil they produce. They produce orders of magnitude, multiples more than what they consume. Uh, Let's see here. 
There was something else that I saw. Maybe we should use Zip Recruiter to find a candidate for lieutenant governor. <laughs> Thanks for the Ray on the coast. Thanks for the, the discussion on Catholic confession and penance. I find the more you know about a religion, the more it makes sense. It, it's uh, it's it's pretty straightforward. Appreciate that, Ray. It's pretty straightforward. The the right of penance begins with confessing your sins if you're willing to. It doesn't say you have to. It's it's most of the stuff in the Catholic Church is symbolic. It's just, it's a religion of symbolism, dogmatic principles. Yeah, and so this, it's symbolic in that on a private basis you you confess your sins. And I'll have to admit, when I was a kid, and they used to make us go to confession. I don't remember how often because I attended Catholic school. You, you kind of had to get a little coaching when you're you know eight years old from uh, your your teacher, who typically was a nun. So you think about what kind of sins would an eight-year-old commit? You know, I lied to my parents, for example. So they give you some suggestions. Think about this. <laughs> I didn't do my homework. You know, stuff like that. Now, times are different today, unfortunately, and you find eight-year-olds, maybe they're more involved in bad stuff, but hopefully not. But that's true. I mean, so it was all just to kind of understand the concept more than anything that we have a forgiving God, and if you're willing to accept and acknowledge your improprieties, your sins, your transgressions. And so that's different from the penance when you ask God for forgiveness. And the, and the priest would assign you a penance. Sometimes, uh, typically, that would be prayers. And back in those days, we do that in the church where the confessional was. And you would go off and kneel in one of the pews or the kneeler when we used to have to take communion kneeling down. And it was private, and you, you'd do your penance. That's the way that stuff works. Just wanted to pass that on. What does Terry and Pogacheta say? Hey, Gerard, you think Kamala will pay reparations to the people of Jamaica who were owned by her ancestors? She wants us to pay Oh, my gosh. We're coming right back with more. It's top of the hour. Fox News, Super Talk News. Spike Cohen up next. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone it's the afternoon portion of middays live from the element well studio we appreciate you joining us today and also joining us live in the studio spike cohen founder and president you are the power in a 2020 libertarian vice presidential candidate and we're also pleased to welcome lars mapstead who is a candidate for president as a libertarian in the 2024 cycle. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. What brings you to the great state of Mississippi? So we are actually here uh, working on a a cause that we've been working on for a few months now. Uh, You and your audience may have heard uh, a few months ago about uh, a man named Rasheem Carter, 
who died uh, under uh, pretty suspicious circumstances in Taylorsville, Mississippi. Um, and uh, he, when his body was found, it was actually found decapitated. And the police almost immediately said that they didn't think there was any foul play involved. And uh, they have done little to nothing to actually investigate it. Uh, eventually, the, uh, the, the county uh, investigators did say they were getting involved. But there's been no real movement on trying to find who is responsible for Rashim's death. So my organization, You Were the Power, uh, is offering a $50,000 reward for information that leads to a conviction of those responsible for Rashim's death. So we're here uh, to talk about that, to hand out information, and to, and to be there for Rashim's family. Have you, uh, Spike, have you met with law enforcement or investigative uh, agencies uh, to talk about this and to see where they stand on this? We've reached out to them with tips that we're receiving. In fact, if anyone has information that they think might help, we invite you to go to youarethepower.net slash tips. Uh, if you have uh, information that could lead to uh, to a conviction, uh, not only will you help bring justice to Rashim and his family, but uh, you could be $50,000 richer. How did you find out about it? Uh, we found out on social media. Um, this is the work that we do. You Are the Power does this type of stuff across the country, and our uh, followers found out about it, brought us to our atten- brought it to our attention. We looked into it and saw the, uh, the the problem that's happening here, and we got involved. Lars, so you've decided to run for president yep. uh, on uh, as a libertarian, and uh, I see your slogan on your website is "Unrig the system." Tell us what you mean by that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when people if I say the system is rigged, that brings up something in your mind. Maybe it's education, maybe it's the economy, healthcare, something like that. And everybody has uh, an idea of why the system is rigged. And so I'm looking at policies that unrig the system and help the regular folks kind of go back against the big government and, and take their uh, freedom and power back. You know, it, it occurs to me, uh, Lars, that if you were to make that suggestion, the system is rigged, just declare that. It really depends on who you're talking to, doesn't it, and kind of where their persuasion is. There are folks on the left that would tell you it's rigged against them. There are folks on the right say it's rigged against us. Yeah. So it, it, I guess the common thread is it's rigged. That's right. right. That's right. And 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 that is really what it is. Is the big government is rigging against the little people, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. The system is rigged against you, right? And and in this case, what we're talking about right now is the criminal justice system that's rigged against the people, right? Because the enforcement of law is not equal. It's not the same for different people. And we're seeing that all the way down to whether you're jaywalking or whether you, you know, you're Trump and you're getting uh, in, you know, in Washington, D.C. The system is rigged against everybody. Okay. So uh, I'll be devil's advocate a little bit or maybe just ask a provocative question along those lines is that the, the left in this country believes that it's it's rigged based on race, that, that there's just systemic racism embedded uh, through, throughout the, uh, the ecosystem of law enforcement at all levels. Is that kind of what we're talking about here? Or is this just, I guess, more generic in nature? Yeah, I think you. I think you can't blanket statement across the board. There's good people and bad people in all situations, sure. and so I don't think you can blanket statement. It, but there, there's definitely, you know a biased for people in certain areas of the country, for sure. Okay. Here's what I'd say about that. Let's say it is. Let's say that our system, our government, is not just racist, but racist at a systemic level. That's an argument to make it smaller. 
that's an argument for government to be less involved in our lives. That's a government uh, argument for government to be less costly and to have less control of what we do on a day-to-day basis. So let's say if that's true, then that's not a reason to grow government. That's a reason to shrink it and get it out of our lives. How uh, So, Lars, how, how would you kind of reconcile that with what I think is a, a fairly common, widespread view here in the state of Mississippi, uh, a red a conservative state? that uh, support law enforcement and believe that bad guys that commit crimes ought, ought to be punished and be locked up. Yeah. No, I, I agree that we should be uh, applying the law equally is really okay. what I'm talking okay. about. And so and I'm not against police, but I just what I want to say is that the law is applied equally. Right. And okay. and you can see this yourself. If you're driving down the road and you're going 55 miles an hour and the next guy's going 55 miles an hour and you get pulled over and the other guy doesn't, it's kind of selective. Right. Yeah. It's a little bit selective. And so why isn't the law applied equally? And that's I think that's where that's the injustice that people feel. And when they see it being applied unevenly it it causes division and it causes uncertainty well certainly uh that really i guess more applicable to, to law enforcement in that scenario that example agree but uh are you concerned i know we are we talk about a lot on the program uh, just about the uh what seems to be expanded outsized control uh exerted by the agency complex in washington it seems like they have more control and power over American lives than do the people we vote for and stick in the Congress up there. It's, it, it, we're being governed by bureaucrats. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that is because Congress is not doing their job. Congress has allowed the president to have a lot more power than he should, and they, they don't want to do their job. So they just keep giving away the power so that they don't have to be responsible when things are falling apart, and they can just point to some bureaucracy and say, well, it's that. We can't really do anything about that. So, you know, part of unrigging the system is to start chopping away at this bureaucratic state and getting rid of the bureaucrats and essentially returning the power to Congress and make them do their job. And I mean, there have been some challenges to the Supreme Court that that uh, have seen that, yeah, it's over the line there. I mean, the affirmative action deal is, is an example of that. Uh, the student loan uh, situation is an example. There was an EPA case in West Virginia that really kind of got the ball rolling about a year ago that said, yeah, you really can't do that. That's not what the law said. You've extended and expanded on that, you know, to your own accord. It, it just seems like they do it with impunity. In the, in the bureaucratic state of the agency complex. Well, they can't. I mean, that's why they call it the deep state, right? Because it doesn't matter who gets elected. As long as that uh, that system remains in place, then it, anything that's coming from the White House is being filtered through a seemingly unfireable bureaucrat class. And it actually leads to a lot of the injustices that we're seeing at the local and state level where police officers are increasingly – doing nothing but enforcing federal law and federal diktat. Even we saw during COVID, all of these lockdown orders that were done were being guided by the CDC and, and other parts of Health and Human Services. They were being handed to the states, and they were basically being coerced into doing these things. And that's why we saw it in 49 of the 50 states, some level of lockdown, some level of mandates. And, and the reason that that happens is because you have a massive bureaucratic class that is taking most of the money and handing some of it back to the states and localities and municipalities, but with all sorts of strings attached that if they don't comply with it, they don't get the money. They don't get the money that's been taken from their own people in their own cities and counties. When I think when Lars, and I'll speak on behalf of him a little, I think when he's talking about unrigging the system, he's really talking about decentralizing. 
You know, the Tenth Amendment, the Constitution says that what is not uh, explicitly given as a power to the federal government is to be left to the states or the people. And as long as we continue to have that happening at the federal level instead of at the local and state level or really just being left to individual people, things are going to get worse and worse. Yeah, it, it seems like that what illustrates that the most to me, Lars, and something I've talked about on the program here, we just as, as everyday citizens are impacted more by what comes out of Washington than we are that what comes out of our state house here. I mean, it's it's minimal, honestly, compared to what comes out of Washington, which indicates to me maybe we've conferred too much power yeah. uh, to Washington. Yeah, no, no doubt. And, I mean, we need to get back to what our founding fathers uh, wanted for this country was limited government, and the government was basically there to protect your rights, right, and to deliver you the freedom and the right to pursue happiness in your life. And we've gotten far away from that. The, the government doesn't, uh, doesn't represent that anymore at all. Yeah. And we keep sending them back somehow, uh, which doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I, I've often said on the program, opined that, sure, term limits for members of Congress, but where we need the term limits are on these people that have been working these bureaucracies that you said a minute ago, Spike, you just, they're about unfireable, yeah. and, and they run the dang country. Yeah. Well, one of the good things that I've found is there's a thing called the Plum Book, and it's a government uh, book that tells all the agencies and the 7,000 positions that the president can fill. And I'm not going to fill those positions, right? I'm okay. going to let Congress do its job, and if they think those positions should be filled, they can create that agency again. But they won't be there when I get there. We got a break right here. You guys can hang around. We'll talk more about uh, your vision, your your platform for president of the United States. That would be Lars Mousted and we bought Mapstead, pardon me. We we also got Spike Cohen, who was a candidate for vice president as a libertarian in 2020. Stay with us. We're in the Element Well studio. With Gerard, Super Talk, Mississippi. Bumping us into this segment here on Middays. We're in the Element Well studio. We're visiting with Lars Mapstead, a candidate for president 2024 as a libertarian. Spike Cohen, the founder and president of You Are the Power, and a 2020 vice presidential candidate as a libertarian. So, Lars, um, you guys told me before you came to the studio, you heard a little bit about my rant on the, the uh, deficit, yeah. our interest tab. The, the nuttiness going on there. It's uh, so for the benefit of the audience, our spending 
in this current fiscal year is 50% more than it was in 2019, pre-pandemic. It's some $2 trillion higher than then. Have we got a chance of getting out of this, this cycle? Yeah, we do, but it's going to take – I think the best way to grow out of the cycle is literally grow GDP so that we can get the money coming in that needs to pay off this debt. But we need to get this down because it's it's a it's a tsunami that's coming for America, this yeah. debt wave, right? And it just keeps growing and growing. There's been no president in my lifetime that has left office with less debt than they started with. And that's something that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican, the machine of spending money on bigger and bigger government has got to stop because the end game is – a, a Great Depression like nothing we've ever seen before. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have derided Republicans in that respect as well because they, they talk this game of, we got to get this spending under control, and then they sign off on legislation that yeah. increases spending, and then when that money flows down to the state and uh, the municipal, county level, it's, et cetera, they, they praise it. They take victory laps about it. So, will you, okay, well, when do we ever say no is the question I pose. When do we say no? We just can't afford that. When's the last time you heard that statement out of Washington? Sorry, we can't afford that. Yeah, and also that, um, and when's the last time you ever heard layoffs in Washington, right? <laughs> I, 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 ran a big, I ran a big tech company, and they, it was often that we would take the t- bottom 10% of the employees and move them out and get new employees coming in. But Washington never lays anybody out. It just grows and grows and grows. And I, I believe the surrounding uh, areas, the suburbs of Washington, Virginia, and so forth, the most expensive uh, housing in the country, right? Yep. Yep. And that's because that's where all the people that have the money are. Yeah, out of Washington. There, I mean, there's a connection. Go there. figure. <laughs> yeah, and this is not a Democrat or Republican problem. Sure, this exactly. is a government problem. Exactly, this is a, a duopoly problem. You know, I remember Donald Trump saying that he was going to. At one point, he said he was going to eliminate the entire debt, but then he said, you know, I'm definitely going to reduce the debt. Donald Trump spent ran up more debt in one term than Barack Obama did in two terms, and Barack Obama had the previous record. Every president, and this isn't beating up on Trump, every president since Reagan has run up more debt per year, because some of them have only served one term, more debt per year than the president before them, and 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 Joe Biden is now looking to try to break that record. Yeah, sure is, and, and it's interesting you bring that point up. We actually talk about that a lot on the program when we talk about presidential politics. That in it's true in the campaign and in leading up to sixteen, Donald Trump said actually what he said is in the first term I believe I could eliminate the deficit, essentially balance the budget, yeah. and he said you give me two terms. I'll, I'll completely eliminate and pay the debt off. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no, you're, no, you're not. You know, it's not going to happen. So, um, yeah, he. But what do you do? You know, we got we've discussed this on the program at length. Spike Lars, we got seventy percent of the spending pies on autopilot mm-hmm. uh, coming from Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, the variety of other uh, assistance programs, and then debt. So we're only really, if you think about the last debt ceiling negotiations, what they basically agreed to, we're only going to touch this 15% because Republicans (laughs) said not touching defense, and Democrats say don't want to touch non-defense discretionary spending. And by the way, the 70% of our spending that comprises all those other 
permanent program, seemingly. Those are off limits to both parties. Yeah. Well, okay, well, you're not serious about doing anything. Yeah, yeah the, the Democrats said, uh, we're going to raise the debt uh, in the next 10 years to $52 trillion. And the Republicans said, that's insane. It should be $47 trillion. It's insanity. Now, uh, what, as you mentioned, a lot of this is autopilot. And there's actually a plan that uh, deals with Social Security by moving it out of the government and turning it into a private contract-based individual retirement plan. It's called Plan for America. Uh, and uh, I am an unpaid spokesman who is going around singing the praises of this thing. It has been scored. It will work. Uh, PlanForAmerica.us. Hmm. Uh, and what it does is it, it takes – it understands that you can't simply cut off – the uh, what so many elderly and 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 so many people rely on for their for meeting their their financial needs and for their health care needs. Right. But what you can do is get it out of the hands of the government and turn it into an actual program that is being f- uh, voluntarily and privately funded, and which eventually turns into something that people can opt out of, and which uh, what they don't use can actually be um, bequeathed to their heirs and assigns. And it not only eliminates eventually uh, uh, the the deficit that's caused by that, but it completely takes off the table most of the $200 trillion in unfunded mandates that we have right now. Wow. Well, reform is needed, but the problem, Lars, as you know, is any time you even discuss reform, you get your head chopped out. I mean, so it it gets construed by political foes as, they want to kill your Social Security and Medicare. No, we want to do something so it's round, is the reality. Yeah, I say that it's going to end up like Detroit. It's basically going to end up in bankruptcy, and everybody's (laughs) going to be left holding the bag, right? So the answer to this is to grow the economy so much that those... uh, Things that we owe are a small piece of the pie that is is going on, and so we need to unleash America's energy. We need to become energy independent and and really unleash the power of our economy. So, what else? Uh, what else are you telling the folks, uh, Lars, that you'd want to do if you're elected president? You've made a lot of points already. What else is on your yeah. mind? So, I've, I've been audited by the IRS a bunch of times, and I don't feel <laughs> like that should be a thing that anybody has to go through. Uh, I think that the tax system, everybody's dissatisfied with the tax system. They, you know, whether you're right or left, you feel in some way that it's it's a, a bad thing. There's, you know, there's too many loopholes. So, I want to abolish all the loopholes forever by ending the tax code, hmm. abolishing the IRS uh, repealing the 16th Amendment and replacing that with a consumption tax that's, you know, easy for everybody to understand and that everybody knows everybody is paying. Okay, so uh, would would this be a consumption tax that would uh, be modeled uh, after the fair tax? Yeah, I'm a I'm a fair tax supporter. I'm a uh, I signed the fair tax pledge. Yeah. So why do you think that got no traction? Because that was uh, one of the deals that uh, uh, some members of the House made to Kevin McCarthy. We want to get the fair tax uh, out of committee on the floor, yep. but it but it failed. Yeah, so there was a big attack from the the left, basically saying that it was uh, regressive and that it would harm uh, you know the lower uh, lower income people. Right. But that's just not the case because the what I've kind of looked at is that if you make less than forty thousand dollars a year, you essentially don't pay any tax right. um, because there's a prebate, prebate and yeah. there's all kinds of stuff in there. So, but you know. Politicians are really good at scaring you and selling you something, even that's good for you. They'll they'll talk you out of it. So it's just it's on me to try to convince people that that's the the correct path forward. Okay. Well, certainly the IRS is going in a different direction with additional funding and the plan to hire a bunch more IRS agents. Uh, so how many times you say you've been audited? Uh, it's probably three or four. Okay. I've had I've had two. Uh, they're no fun. 
as you know, they consume a lot of time, and usually it ends up. One I had, they ended up owing me money uh, before it was over with, which is how silly the the trigger was that uh, caused them to to contact me about an audit. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. It 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 seems like there's a lot of time and money invested in that it yields very little and i think this idea that biden and the democrats have that oh yeah by bolstering so uh, pardon me the irs they're going to go after all these dirty greedy rich people that are hiding their income and it's it's actually quite the opposite those are the people that actually do file their tax returns uh, correctly and pay uh what is owed yeah where all the money that's missing is not from them. And they already have teams of agents working yeah. on them as individuals because they're such high worth yeah. individuals. None of these 87,000 agents are going to they're billionaires. Gonna... They're going to uh, enforce the people that have been not paying taxes on their Uber yeah. or, or the, the money Venmo. they make on Etsy or, or, <laughs> or yeah on Venmo or whatever. They're going after the gig economy. They're going after a lot of people who have been saying tax the rich and they're about to find out that to the IRS, everyone's rich. I saw the last Treasury report uh, did a little digging there, said the top 1% in terms of dollars, absolute dollars of taxes paid, paid more than the bottom 95%. But that's deemed unfair. I agree it is unfair that the top 1% <laughs> are, are shouldering such a huge part of the load. Appreciate you gentlemen coming in. Good Absolutely. luck to you, Lars. Thank Appreciate you very much. Yep. We're coming right back in the Element Well studio. Going beyond the headlines, breaking down the stories that matter to Mississippi. Middays with Gerard on Super Talk Mississippi. Who draws the crowd and plays so loud, baby? It's the guitar man. A little David Gates and Brad. I told you I saw him in 1972 the Mississippi Coliseum. On the ceasefire tax line, Catholicism is not a religion. Christianity is a religion, and Catholicism is part of that religion. Well, it's actually, I think, considered a faith, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I, if I if I conflated those. And uh, was it understandable? I apologize for that, but yeah, I get it. Appreciate that. In layman's terms, where's the over six hundred billion nearing nearing a trillion in interest coming from? That it's a good question. That's what's really crazy. It's coming from going into more debt. We literally go into debt to pay the interest on the debt. Think about that. We borrow money to pay. <laughs> To pay interest on the borrowed money. But when you got a print and press, you can do that. You can do that. And that's what our federal government does. And so all these people that uh, running run around saying, we got to stop this radical spending, they don't have a clue. I mean, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but until they produce a, uh, a detailed 
document, in my view, that says, here's how we're going to shore that up. Here's, how, here's the spending we're going to reduce. Specifically, at the line item level. You're not serious. It's just campaign rhetoric. Doesn't mean anything. Just doesn't mean anything. Also on the ceasefire text line, in the race for a lieutenant governor, if one side or the other were truly telling a lie about the other, could they bring a lawsuit of defamation? Oh, I mean, you know, you can file a lawsuit on just about any day for any reason, whether or not that uh, gets any traction or gets serious consideration. When there, there are certain exceptions for people who were public figures, and so the bar is considerably higher. It'd be like, for example, uh, let's say a college football coach lost a game and you weren't happy with the way they managed the game and you went to social media and started dogging them on what a terrible coach they were uh, and that sort of stuff. So there has to be malice and there has to be knowledge. I mean, you, you look at the standards of of uh, defamation, especially in the case of a public figure. You've got to know what you're saying is untrue. If you believe it, and you don't know that it's untrue, you have no evidence to refute what you're alleging uh, about or accusing the other candidate about, pretty much doesn't rise to the level of slander and libel. It's... uh, Never, never seen that. I mean, and I, let's think about it. If you did that and you expect to continue your political career, you're done. What did you say? You're done. Oh, yeah. I lost. I'm suing the other person for saying bad things about me. You're done at that point. You enter that fray, you better be ready. You better not be thin-skinned. It's not for the faint of heart or the weak of stomach. No doubt about it. You just explained Hunter Biden's tax issue, which he was just late, says Jerry in Waynesboro. Yeah, it's a few years down the road, though, Jerry. I hear you. That's a good one. Unlike our debt situation, when it is true that uh, we, we failed to meet our obligations, what, four or five times in history when they were due on that date, but that got corrected and resolved in the ensuing dates. So it wasn't just a, a permanent default. Little, little different. Eighty percent of Democrat. Oh, Donald in Oxford. GG just finished voting in Lafayette County at the courthouse. While waiting, I noticed the Republican ballot is three pages long and the Democrat one page long. About eighty percent of Democrats are running uncontested. Found that interesting. I, I haven't looked at the specific races, Donald, but. It would appear to me that's probably because the district where uh, you reside there, where you voted, is dominated by Republicans, and it's very difficult for a Democrat to to prevail, to win in the race, in a race, at, at any level of government, and they just choose not to spend their time and money doing that. Tim in, in Cleveland so far, I agree with practically everything those guys have said, talking about our libertarian 
candidates that were just in the studio, especially the enforcement of the Tenth Amendment. Too bad they can't get elected. Yeah, um, I, I hear you there, Tim, and and I, I think this whole Tenth Amendment thing is something that has really been elevated into focus in the last few years because we do have what is an overarching federal government that seems to want to insert itself into every aspect of our lives. And like I said, I feel like that they have more of an impact on my life than uh, does our state government. It's not supposed to be that way. Even, let's say, with respect to taxation. I mean, the amount of of, uh, income tax most people bear from a state level pales in comparison to what the federal is. Right, that's that's where we should be focused, and we've discussed this many times on the program. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, also known as the Trump Tax Cuts, the individual provisions of that legislation expire in two years. we got two more years, three if you count 23, because we haven't paid our taxes for 23. But we have three more years to enjoy the benefits from an individual taxation perspective of the TCJA, the thing's expiring. You talk about a war that we're going to witness in Congress because the Democrats do not want to extend those cuts. Let's let's be honest. They don't want to continue anything that's got the name Trump affixed to it. So right off the bat, it's uh, considered uh, persona non grata, so to speak. But that's coming, and nobody's talking about it. That will have way more impact on your tax burden than the state taxes do, as much as we've talked about eliminating the state income tax. That's nothing compared to what happens if those Trump tax cuts expire. Nothing compared to that. But that's that's where we're, we stand right now. Chris from Oxford says, doesn't sound like a libertarian. He sounds conservative to me. Well, Chris, libertarians are conservative in the classic definition of limited government, low taxation, more individual freedom, less intrusion from bureaucrats. Um, But I guess, Rhino, where the libertarians lose a lot of people is when they get more to the anarchy stage. You know, it gets a little out there, and that's where they lose a lot of people. And that's why they can't, they can't get elected. I'm not sure they hold any offices of any significance across the country. But in general, they, they would be considered a wing of conservatism, I guess is the way I would describe it. Let's see here. Argo and, and uh, Blue Springs. Life was pretty good when Trump was in office. It's a shame that certain people in this government of ours had to ambush him with the pandemic. They wouldn't even uh, as serious as without him. But let's get back to the free state of Mississippi. Don't care about Washington, D.C. So I'm thinking Argo doesn't share my view that we have more threats and we have more impact on our lives coming out of the federal government, out of Washington, than we do here in the state. Uh, let's see. You need to run. i work for you for free, says Argo. Well, appreciate that, Argo. All religions use symbolism. If you're not into that, just talk straight to God. He will still listen. You know, it's it's about faith. Uh, all all of, um, I think, belief in God and, and belief in life 
uh, as a Christian person and what awaits you at the end of your earthly being is a matter of faith. Just a matter a matter of faith in the Word, in the Bible, that it is true, and that Jesus was uh, the Savior. I mean, it's just a faith thing. doesn't mean that people that don't share that view and uh, are not a practicing in the faiths that are within the umbrella of Christianity. I don't think it makes them bad people. I don't dislike them or think less of them, honestly, and I'd be okay voting for them for public office if their philosophy about government and the role of government more closely aligns with mine, such as Vivek Ramaswamy. I think he'd be an excellent president. I don't care that he's Hindu. Seems to be a person of high character and integrity, and he's smart as a whip and on the right side of policies, in, in my opinion. We're coming right back with the final segment here on a midday. Stay with us. He keeps his classified documents right where they belong. Inside a journey record jacket from the 1980s. Gerard Gibbert, Super Talk, Mississippi. I got rice cooking in the microwave. Got a three-day beard I don't plan to shave. And it's a goofy thing, but I just got to say, hey, I'm a doing all right. Yeah, I think I'll make me some homemade soup. We are back. Final segment of Middays from the Element Well Studio. And then it's the weekend. And then next week, we'll be hanging onto the edge of our seats. <laughs> uh, let's see here. The only time I ever paid more state than federal taxes was when I lived in New York and worked in Pennsylvania, says Tim in Cleveland. Yeah, the taxes in those states are crazy. I agree. And this is, and by the way, we have the so-called salt deduction limitation passed under the Trump tax cuts that limits the deduction of state and local taxes to $10,000. And that is something that the Democrats have been trying to change since the bill was passed because they represent, many do, states where $10,000 of property taxes ain't jack squat. I don't know if you've ever looked at like a real estate listing for a property in New York, New Jersey, California, uh, where the property taxes are insane. But they'll also typically list the amount of annual property taxes. Here's the price of the house and the particulars and the specifics about the house, the size, number of bedrooms, bathrooms, you know the deal, the features. By the way, annual property tax, because that's a big factor. And when you look at these four and $500,000 houses, which around here is more like a million-dollar house, and you see the property tax bill, it's thirty grand a year. It's insane. It's more than most people pay in their mortgage. I don't see how they do it. But um, 
it's a factor in obviously the buying the house. But the bigger issue is the tax bill that uh, signed by Trump, seventeen, it limits that deduction of those taxes you pay to ten thousand dollars. That's your your state income taxes plus your property taxes, and and some states have local county taxes on top of that. Ten thousand bucks, and they've been trying to change it. Even Republicans that represent districts in those states have, I don't think there are any Republican senators that represent those states, but Republican House members have. It's uh, it's definitely a problem, and I totally agree. Let's see here. Um, I'm not sure that our country or the world is prepared to go through the pain and suffering that would be required for the United States to balance the budget. Numerous international and domestic programs will need to be seriously reduced. If not canceled, people may need to go to work. I wish it would uh, be corrected only by people going to work. And I support pro-growth policies. Pro-growth policies. I, I agree with Lars and Spike that you know, the way out of the traps to grow the economy. And, and you've seen under the Trump tax cuts, we've had an increase in revenues despite the fact that the Democrats and, oh, my gosh, the, the folks over there at MSNBC and CNN and the liberal news media were melting down. We're going to crash the economy by doing all that kind of stuff. And in fact, the revenues increased. And they still they still promote this narrative that the reason we're producing deficits is because of the Trump tax cuts. Yet they refuse to acknowledge, well, the revenues are actually up. You see, the spending is up 50% in four years. They won't, they won't tell you about that. It's always, oh, because we gave those tax cuts to those wealthy people who now pay more than the 95% at the bottom of the tax rolls. The, the math matters. I, I mean, I'm, I apologize for getting kind of wonky and getting into those weeds. It, it matters because the rhetoric that's spewed just gets lapped up. When Kamala's talking about Bidenomics is working, and you and you have to go fill your car up after the event. It's five bucks. That's working. And you go to the grocery store and stuff that cost you two dollars two years ago is now four. Who's buying that? You can't hardly get. Uh, we've the talked clapping about barking seals that attend those events that Kamala speaks at. It's sad. We're uninformed, and we got to be more informed. And I I hope in our little patch of the world here in the country. We're doing our part to, to try to inform you. I appreciate Spike and and Lars coming on and and addressing those issues and speaking about that. I'm gonna have to look up his Social Security plan. Uh, I'm curious about that. that Spike talked about. I know there's another one that the Goodman Institute has uh, distributed called the Personal Security System. I've been digging into that and gonna discuss that with us once we get through the elections. See what people think about that. But the elections, folks, get out and vote. Last day is the day that you can vote absentee in person tomorrow. Also, I did get an update from Meg Anison at the Mississippi Lottery Corporation. Meg is the uh, she's communications director at the lottery. She just wanted us to know that the jackpot sits at $1.35 billion. That on draw days they stop increasing it by 11 a.m. Okay, so it gets it gets fixed at 11 a.m. It's probably still running up somewhat because I'm sure they're selling a jag of tickets, and that of course influences it. 
But uh, buy your ticket, win you $1.35 billion. Uh, that'll be fun. Folks, be sure to vote. Sign up for our newsletter. Thank you so much for joining us today. Back with you on Monday. Have a good weekend. Stay safe and God bless. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.